want to tell you a little bit about my grandpa this morning. I know these pictures are kind of old and hard to see. My dad's dad, Cecil, Grandpa Cecil, was a chef, and he used to work for the Harvey House. I don't know if you're familiar with the Harvey House. They were along a lot of the railroads, and so that may be the Harvey House in Brownwood that he worked at. And uh, so he was a chef. After he left that, he bought a... Um, a cafe in the Calmez Hotel, so I believe the cafe was on this bottom left corner, and every week he would feed the Kiwanis folks and the Rotary folks and the Lions Club folks, and they had this big, huge banquet room, and I remember going and putting out the napkins in the silverware, and my grandpa loved to cook. Man, he could cook. I loved his cooking. He'd say, give me water and flour, and I can make you 17 kinds of gravy, and he could, and I'd say, Grandpa, I want my eggs this way, and they'd be just that way. He was phenomenal. But if there's anything my grandpa liked to do, loved to do more than cook, my grandpa loved to fish. And after he passed, when we went out into his shed, the fishing equipment was phenomenal. The rods, the reels, the nets, the lures, um, all kinds of, some of the biggest, ugliest, most ridiculous lures. And I'd say, Grandpa, can you catch fish with this lure? He'd say, yep. And he probably did. A lot of fishing trips. He and Grandma went on a lot of fishing trips and took family on a lot of fishing trips. Today, I thought we'd go fishing with Jesus. I want to go fishing with Jesus today, see if we can learn anything fishing with Jesus. So let's begin reading in Luke 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the Word of God, so Jesus is at the lake, Jesus is somewhere on the shore. The crowds are forming, and he's preaching. All Luke tells us is he's preaching the Word of God. And evidently, the crowd is growing, and it grows to the point that maybe they're having difficulty seeing Jesus, hearing Jesus, so Jesus takes action. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. So Jesus noticed two boats. He's got something in his mind. He's going to do something. He wants to preach the word. He wants people to hear. So he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. He asked him to put out a little from shore, and then he sat down and taught people from the boat. So Jesus is still preaching. We still don't know the message other than the word of God. Jesus realizes the crowd's growing, and so he's going to get out in a boat, and the boat has now become his podium. The boat has now become where he is focusing so people can hear. It's kind of amazing, don't you think? I don't know how big the crowd was. Usually when Scripture says crowd, it's a crowd. It's probably more than this crowd. So Jesus sat down, he continues to preach, and then here's what's going on. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Interesting. So Jesus is speaking to fishermen, Simon's a fisherman, he's speaking to the fishermen that are there, and he's done preaching and he says, okay, listen, I, I want you to put out in deep water. They've been fishing all night. They've not had any luck all night. In fact, Simon objects. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. These are experienced fishermen that have worked all night, and they haven't caught anything. If you've ever fished before, you've had those nights. You've had those days. You've had those fishing trips, and they've been fishing all night. All they want to do is come in and clean the nets, go get some rest, and go out for another day. So he objects. He says, Master, 
we've worked hard on. I don't think you understand how tired we are, how unsuccessful we are. But because you say so, we're going to cast our nets. Because you say so. We don't want to, but because you say so. We're tired, but because you say so. We've had failure all night, but because you say so. So they did what Jesus said, and they put their nets out into deep water. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish. Their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled their boat so full that they began to sink. Now, again, these are experienced fishermen. These fishermen, as most fishermen I know, have some great stories. But the story this day was remarkable. I'm just guessing the crowd is still on the shore. I'm just guessing the crowd's watching. I'm just guessing the crowd is amazed at this catch of fish. I don't know how big the boats were. I don't know how big the nets were. I don't know how many fish they caught. But their nets began to break and they filled both boats. Can you imagine going home from a fishing trip like this? When I was growing up, I used to go out to Foss Lake. It was on the other side of Clinton. There's Weatherford Clinton. Go out to Foss Lake. I, I have so many trips out to Foss Lake. I did that in high school with my friend Keith Clay. I did that after college with my friend from the Christian church, Mark Sutherland. I did that with a lot of college students. We'd drive out to Foss Lake. We'd um, park and we'd walk out on the rocks that are on the darn... So, um, we went out one particular time, and uh, Mark and I were fishing, and this was back before cell phones, this was back before bag phones, some of y'all don't even know what I just said, um, I didn't have a phone, and we were fishing till I don't know, it was two or three in the morning, and it was one of those nights. I mean, as soon as the lure would hit the water, we were pulling in fish. We were pulling in fish. We didn't, they were almost jumping over to us. It was just one of those nights. And then we noticed, as we're s s sitting on the rocks of the darn, um, we see the storm coming. We hear the storm coming. And we hear the rain pounding on the lake, and Mark said, we got to go. And I said, Mark, we're catching more fish than we've ever caught. And he said, we got to go now. I said, well, what are we going to do with the fish? We had baskets. We had stringers. What are we going to do with the fish? He said, we got to go now. So we blew out. We skedaddled around down all the rocks. We made it to the vehicle. And then the rain, the floodgates just opened up. We get home. Kelly's usually not happy at me coming in 2 or 3 in the morning because no phones, no way to get a hold of me. And she said, where have you been? And I said, Kelly, it was the most amazing night. It was awesome. We caught so many fish. She said, where are the fish? I said, they're in the lake. <laughs> right where we left them. I'm not sure she believes me to this day. But can you imagine Simon? Can you imagine if Simon goes home and Simon tells his wife, honey, you wouldn't believe the fishing day we had. We'd been fishing all night. We didn't have any success. We caught zero. And then Jesus came along. He said, throw out your nets. I told him, I don't feel like it, Jesus. I don't want to, Jesus. But because you say so, I'm going to do that. And no sooner than the nets hit the water. Can you imagine what he told us? Well, I think we caught every fish in the lake. We caught so many fish, we filled our boat. We caught so many fish, we filled another boat. And if you don't believe me, 
See, I had no witnesses other than Mark. If you don't believe me, there was a whole crowd there watching the scene. You can go ask anyone in the crowd. Now, this was an amazing fish story. This was a Polaroid moment. And I just lost some of y'all again. It's a Polaroid. What's a Polaroid? I, I mean... Simon could have pulled out his iPhone 0.000, no iPhones, no pictures, no way to record this. But can you imagine the pictures he could have taken? The pictures he could have taken that day. The pictures of Jesus preaching to the crowd. The picture of Jesus in the boat. The picture from the boat as he's watching the crowd. The picture of the nets going out. The picture of the nets coming in. The picture of the boat about to sink. The picture of all the fish. The picture of Jesus' face. You know he probably had a smile on his face like, told you so, just throw out your nets. This was an amazing moment. So let's get back to our story. Simon, surely Simon and these guys have never seen a catch like this. They've never seen a haul like this. This is a Guinness Book of World Record kind of haul. This is the most fish caught in one day kind of haul. And here's how he responds. When Simon Peter saw the large catch of fish, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Isn't that amazing? He's caught fish. Just caught a lot of fish. But he notices something about Jesus. Lord, I'm a sinful man, for he and his companions were astonished. At the catch of fish they had taken. They were amazed at the large catch of fish. They were amazed that Jesus said what he said. Throw out the nets. They're just amazed. And so then Jesus says to Simon. Simon don't be afraid. You think this is a big haul. You think this is a lot of fish. You think this was a miracle day. From now on, you're not going to be catching fish anymore. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. And that statement amazes me. I mean, they're fishermen. They're out making a living. And they bring in the biggest haul they've ever had. You're thinking, hey, Jesus, can you hang around tomorrow and the next day? Can you stop in once a week? I mean, the fishing business is really good when you're around. And they left everything and followed him. Because he said so. Isn't that amazing? Here's what we read in other passages. In Luke, we just said, from now on you'll catch men. In Mark and Matthew, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So I want to talk about fishing a little bit. Fishers of men. I mean, what does that mean? That means that Jesus says, I want you to go catch men. Interesting to me because why would Jesus say, I'll make you fishers of men? Some deep theology here, because they were fishermen. Jesus knew what to say to people. Jesus knew how to get on people's level. Jesus knew how to communicate with people. So I scribbled a list. I wonder what Jesus would say to lumberjacks. Come, let's go hew down souls for the kingdom. What would he say to an accountant? Let's go talk to men about credits in the kingdom. What would he say to athletes? Let me talk to you about finishing the race. 
What would he say to someone in the medical field? Let's help people get a clean heart for Jesus. What would he say at the cleaners? Let's help people get the wrinkles out of their life. What would he say at a restaurant? Let's talk to Jesus about being the bread of life. Jesus always talked to people where they were. What did he say to the woman at the well drawing water? Let me talk to you about living water. Maybe that's the best fishing lesson we could get from Jesus is we need to learn to talk to people where they are, not where we want them to be. Let's talk to them where they are and let's communicate with them where they are. Again, I love the faith of Simon in this. But because you say so, we'll do some more fishing because you say so. Why should we go fishing? Because Jesus said so. Why should we go fishing for men? Because Jesus said so. Again, these men had fished all night. But they hadn't fished with Jesus. These men had worked hard all night. But they hadn't fished with Jesus. These men had stayed up all night. But they hadn't stayed up with Jesus. I mean, how many times have you done something, but you haven't invited Jesus? How many times have we done ministry, and we haven't invited Jesus? We're just going through the motions of ministry. How many times have we talked to people, and we haven't talked to people about Jesus? How many times have we tried to make our marriage work, or we've tried to raise our kids, but we haven't talked to them about Jesus? How many times have we tried to go fishing, but not with Jesus? Maybe the reason we're not successful fishing for people is because we're not fishing with Jesus. You know, I don't think we ought to go fishing for an argument. But a lot of people like to do that. I don't think we ought to go fishing over theology. But a lot of people want to do that. I don't think we ought to go fishing for, you need to come to our church because our church is right and yours is wrong. We've done a lot of that. I think we just need to go fishing for people to follow Jesus. So let me give you ten reasons why we need to go fishing. I got these from Perry Noble. Ten reasons why we need to invite others to worship. Number one, because everyone spends eternity somewhere. And a conversation you might have fishing for people could change their eternity. Man's destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Number two, because it's impossible to be a Christ follower and not care about the people he cared about. Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost, and we should be concerned with the lost as well. Number three, because found people find people. If you weren't here last week, didn't watch online last week, that was a sermon last week. First thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon. He brought him to Christ. The next day Jesus left for Galilee. He found Philip. Philip found Nathaniel. Who are you going to find this week? Number four. Because God's patient never gives up on us, so we should be patient and never give up on people. Lord's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. So if He's patient with us, we ought to be patient with other people. Number five, because there's no other name under heaven by which mankind must be saved. Salvation's found in no one else, for there's no other name, so we ought to be talking to people about the name Jesus. Number six, because Jesus will honor our faith when we go all out and do whatever it takes to bring people to a place where they can meet Him. I love the story in Mark 2. These guys take a paralytic because he can't get there. And they take him to Jesus because he can't get there. They get him to a place where he can see Jesus. And when they get there, they can't get in. And they cut a hole in the roof. And they lower him down. And here Jesus is preaching. And I don't know what that scene looked like. But this guy gets lowered down. He may have been face to face with Jesus. Sup, Jesus? And Jesus sees their faith. 
The faith of the people that cut the hole in the roof. The faith of the people that brought Jesus sees their faith. And he honored their faith. And when we go fishing for Jesus, Jesus will honor our faith. I love that one. Number seven. Because being a Christ follower is about obedience rather than viewing Scripture as a suggestion. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So I'll come back to that. Number eight. Apart from Jesus, the world is separated from God. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And people will spend eternity somewhere. And our fission may determine where that is. Number nine, because we are called to be agents of reconciliation. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. That's called fission. We're therefore Christ's ambassador as though God were making His appeal through us. God's fishing through us. And number 10, because God is greater than anyone's skepticism, atheism, or any antagonistic attitude towards Him. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Remember when Saul um, was converted and people said, no, 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 God can't convert him. No, 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 you must have the wrong guy. God's greater than anything out there. So here's what we need to do to become better fishermen because we need to go fishing. I think we need to pray for boldness because it's scary fishing for people. It is. It's difficult fishing for people. What if they ask? What if they? What if they? What if they? So we need to pray for boldness. I get this from Acts 4. Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. After they prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Lord, would you give us boldness? Sure, here's boldness. So maybe we need to pray for boldness. You need to pray this prayer. Let me ask you, how many lost people have you prayed for? If God would have answered all your prayers last week, how many lost people would have gotten saved? Pray for boldness. Write the names down of people who need the Lord. You know people who need the Lord. I mean, you may have said, you know, they need Jesus. We know people who need the Lord. Write their name down, post it on the fridge, pray for them every day, pray for boldness, pray for open doors, pray for the heart of Jesus, pray for people. Pray for a fishing attitude. There are people who need to hear God, people who if they died today would spend eternity in hell, and we need to have a conversation with them. The last thing Satan wants us to talk about is the first thing we need to talk about with people. So pray for boldness, wherever you are. If you go to a restaurant today, pray for boldness. Wherever you are, pray for boldness. Somebody at work, well, I can't talk about Jesus at work, pray for boldness. Someone in your neighborhood, pray for boldness. The second thing is, I want to encourage you to go fishing. You know what that means? You throw a little bait here, and you throw a little bait there, and I'd say, Grandpa, this lure, he had some lures this big, I'm like, what are you trying to catch? He had all kinds of lures, and if one lure didn't work, he threw out another lure. And if that lure didn't work, he threw out another lure. Let me tell you what Jesus called it. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and some fell along rocky places, and some fell among thorns, and some fell on good soil. You know what you call that? He's just fishing. He's throwing out a lure, and throwing out a lure, and throwing out a lure. A lot of times, we want to be... Um, we want to judge the soil and say, I'm not going to waste any on the rocky places. I'm not going to waste any on the thorns. I'm just, I'm going to determine where I'm going to throw that lure or throw that seed. Mm, it's not our job to judge the soil. It's our job to scatter the seed. So go fishing. Send a card to somebody. 
Say something nice to someone at the restaurant today. Help someone in your neighborhood. Make a phone call. Send a text. You don't catch fish unless you throw out some lures and throw out some bait. So we need to start doing that. Pray for boldness. Go fishing. Pray for boldness. Go fishing. I love the quote from the video. If everyone did their part, imagine the fish that could be caught. You saw all the people in that video. Well, I'm not very good at fishing. Pray for boldness. Go fishing. Well, you know, so-and-so is better than I am. Pray for boldness. Go fishing. Well, I, I don't want Jesus to put me in an uncomfortable spot. He was on the cross. So that we'd go fishing. We're not in an uncomfortable spot. Let me tell you something. The last year, you, you, you make a list of everything that happened the last year. Wow, our, our world's in a bad place. I know we could say that any year, but of all the times that people need to hear a message of hope, Jesus, this is a great time for us to go fishing. Let's pray.